Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is America on the Road, named best radio show about the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 29th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. It's Monterey Car Week, and we'll give you a report on some of the important news coming from that event. It's a great event. I've attended many a time. It's, it's a blast. BMW is showing a very interesting vehicle, and we'll tell you more about that, among other things. Audi is saying goodbye to an old friend with laps at Laguna Seca, and we'll have news on that and their entry into Formula One racing. And Texas-based hypercar maker is showing off its new wares. The horsepower rating of their newest car will blow you away. You're going to be blown away, Chris. We'll tell you more in just a few minutes. America on the Road is brought to you by DrivingToday.com, YourTestDriver.com, EMLancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I'm Jack Red. With me is co-host Chris Teague, editor of yourtestdriver.com. Chris, school is almost here, right? I mean, uh, your kids have to be just weeks away or days away, potentially, from going back to school. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, it's weeks away at this point. We're a little we're a little behind the rest of the nation when it comes to the school year. But, you know, we're entering the, the county fair season here in Maine, which is a really big deal. The, my town fair has been running for something like 250 consecutive years. So it's it's a lot of fun. And the kids, uh, you know, they're starting to get under everybody's skin here. So it's time for time, time for school to start. Yeah, I love those county fairs. My mom uh, was a member of, uh, we weren't farmers, but she was a member of some uh, women's farming organization when I was a kid. And we would go out and work the county fair. They had a booth there selling hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff. And I had a blast. So I, I envy you. That's it's cool, cool <laughs> stuff. Well, as you longtime listeners know, Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can save money on your automotive purchases and just owning your cars. Of course, we review a couple of vehicles each week. As you know, Chris, what gets into your car can hurt both you and your car's engine. And our special guest this week is an expert on that. Daryl Benton is a vice president at Purolator. And that 100-year-old auto filter brand uh, has some new stuff to talk about. So we'll be talking with him about that, uh, how your car's filters can improve the life of your car and, and improve your own life, too. I mean, he's going to talk about something that'll make the inside of your car that much better. Of course, reviewing cars is one of the things we do best. And Chris, uh, what car are you going to be telling us about this week? I'm going to be telling you about my own car this week, the 2023 Volkswagen Golf R. I've had it for just a little bit under two months now and uh, have some thoughts on it. So it's kind of a medium-term test. You're, you've had this every day for the last two months. Uh, that's pretty cool. So I'm eager to hear what you have to say about it. I hope there's no buyer's remorse there. My road test car this week is the is not a car, actually. It's a giant truck. <laughs> it's like a school bus, practically. The 2024 version of the Ram 2500 heavy-duty pickup. 
I've driven this big boy a couple of times recently, and uh, I'll have all you need to know about it. Uh, if you're a, someone who tows a big trailer or a boat, uh, listen up. This is a vehicle for you. Uh, let's dive into the news uh, from uh, Monterey Car Week. A lot of the auto manufacturers have uh, started to glom onto, uh, I guess dating back now 20 years, uh, Monterey Car Week, which revolved around classic cars and uh, special interest cars, but to show off new cars and, and things that they want the public to see, uh, BMW being one of those. And uh, they're showing a bunch of stuff at, um, or they have shown a bunch of stuff at what is called the Legend, Legends of the Autobahn uh, during Monterey Car Week. The vehicle, uh, they showed off a number of their vehicles, many of them electric and, and uh, you know, high-performance electric vehicles, which kind of makes total sense <laughs> in that venue. But the one that caught my eye is the BMW iX5 Hydrogen. It was in, unveiled a while ago, but the fact that they're showing this now and kind of putting this out there, moving this forward, I think indicates that BMW is not just a battery electric car or just not uh, believing in battery electrics. Do you think there's more to uh, this than uh, they're just showing off a car? Because I kind of think that there is. Yeah, I do think so. I think, you know, look at Toyota and Hyundai. They've continued investing in hydrogen technology, even though it's only sold, the vehicles are only sold in California where you live right now and uh, probably very rarely even then. Uh, but yeah, I do think there is something behind this. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, it might be a little bit impractical at the moment given the infrastructure, but uh, we said that about EV infrastructure a couple of years ago, even though it's still a little behind the time now. Yeah. Well, I think this absolutely addresses uh, the big problem with EVs, and that's charging on the road, right? I mean, a hydrogen vehicle can be refueled essentially in the same amount of time as filling up a gasoline car. Uh, fairly simple process. I've done it. You've probably done it as well. And then you get reasonable amount of range and, and, you know, rinse and repeat. You can keep doing that. As you point out, there's no hydrogen fueling infrastructure out there. But it does answer the problem that it doesn't seem like we're solving very quickly, and that is charging time with electric vehicles. I mean, that is their Achilles heel right now is uh, taking them on road trips or for around town. If you're tra charging at home, cool. But if you don't have a place to charge at home, you can't do that. Or uh, you're on the road, well, then it's a whole different story. And <laughs> that's a, a pretty bad story uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned this, I've mentioned this before, and I've, I've come even more around to it over the past couple of months is that this multi-pronged approach is going to be vital if we're looking to go zero emissions. And we don't say all electric, but zero emissions uh, in the next 10 years or 15 years, this is going to be going to be one of the steps that we have to take to get there. Yeah. Um, including plug-in hybrids and, you know, the other technologies that we have coming along. They're operating, BMW is operating a fleet of prototype vehicles in the United States testing this technology, the fuel cell technology. Um, and this is a powerful vehicle. This is, you know, uh, a pretty cool vehicle. Uh, zero to 60 in about six seconds, 396 horsepower. It's something I could absolutely get behind. So I, I find that interesting that they're showing that off uh, this week during Monterey Car Week. I'm also shedding a tear this week uh, because the Audi R8, a vehicle I have liked a lot for many, many years. I was around at its launch. Uh, now I'm around it uh, as they're saying goodbye. Uh, that's going away. It's going to take some final laps, I think this afternoon, actually, uh, uh, at Laguna Seca uh, during Monterey Car Week. Uh, that's a, such a cool track. I don't know if you've ever got a chance to drive that track, but uh, amazing, wonderful track. 
Uh, it was kind of born on the track, built for the road, according to Audi. And uh, I guess this kind of car has run its course. What's your, what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I haven't driven the newer V10 models, but I've driven a couple of the older V8s with the gated manual shifter. And, you know, those cars are just so engaging and so much fun. Um, you know, given Volkswagen Group's movement towards electrification, it's not that surprising that we're seeing these cars go away. Um, it is disappointing, though. It does, you know, it kind of does strike the end of a, an era for Audi. Uh, but, yeah, I really did enjoy the cars that we had. Yeah. I think they're passing the torch almost, well, not quite literally, but close to it by having the Audi RS e-tron GT also on the track at Laguna Seca as they're driving around in the R8. And uh, so I guess that's the new era of uh, performance vehicles, or, or one of the areas is uh, these all-electrics. And uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's plenty of reason. As a track car, an electric works really, really well. You don't have to worry so much about recharging, right? Yeah, the challenge with Audi's performance vehicles, electric vehicles specifically, is the range, right? That they always uh, they trade power for range. I think they're down in the low 200 mile mark there, um, but they do they do fast charge. So I think you know you probably get around that. But nothing like an R8, nothing like the V10 sound, the V8 sound. Um, it'll be missed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like doing things like changing gears and you know getting a little bit more involvement in the vehicle. I when I'm driving a performance electric, I I kind of feel like I've got that rheostat and I'm driving a slot car <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's just fast or slow, fast or slow, you know, on or off. Um, and there's more to driving than that. I think uh, you and I both enjoy that. So uh, if that goes away, I'll miss it. Same. Well, let's talk about this car, a uh, Texas-based car from Hennessy, uh, the Venom uh, F5 Revolution Roadster. I mean, talk about blow you away horsepower. 1,817 horsepower is claimed for this twin turbocharged uh, V8 engine. Uh, that alone is enough to make you sit up and take notice, isn't it? It is, and the price tag is just as much uh, of a wake-up call as that one is. You know, I have an open invitation to go drive the regular Venom F5. I just can't find time to get down to Texas to do it. So this is uh, motivation for me to actually get out of my own way and go drive it. You know, I am not certain, and uh, maybe this is old guy talking, I'm not certain how comfortable I'd feel driving a vehicle like that that had 1,800 horsepower. I mean, I've driven plenty of 500, 600, 700 horsepower vehicles and feel okay about that, but, you know, essentially doubling or tripling that horsepower, uh, that might just be too much. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and you've driven these too, sitting behind the wheel of a Hellcat at a red light. You know, you kind of feel like you you could spend the world if you really wanted to. So I can't imagine what you said, you know, twice that much would feel like. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I'm full on the gas and I used to do the uh, road testing, you know, drag strip kind of testing for Motor Trend many, many years ago at the legendary Pomona Fairgrounds in, in Southern California. So I'm pretty comfortable just stomping on it and, and going, but... You know, I, I, these kind of cars sear your eyeballs. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, nobody, first of all, nobody needs even 800 horsepower on the street, but this is one of those things that you pay the money for the bragging rights, right? Like, who is ever going to utilize 1,000 plus horsepower anywhere unless you go to the track? And even then, you're not going to use it on a track that has any sort of curve on it. You're going to go in a straight line. So who knows? But it is a very impressive car. Yeah, it really is. And they're sold out. So, you know, you could pocket that $3, $3 million you're going to pony up to Hennessy. I bet they're going to make more different uh, variations, so uh, be ready for that. And we're ready to road test some vehicles. When we come back, we will be road testing Chris's car, uh, the uh, Volkswagen Golf R. 
And I was road testing a massive truck, the Ram 2500 Heavy Duty. So stay with us for that, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. Jackie right back with you. And it is road test time. And it's a particularly special road test time because Chris is road testing a car he owns. He just paid his own money for it, which is something uh, somewhat of a rarity for automotive journalists, a lot of us. I guess I own several cars, too, but I haven't bought a car recently. Uh, Chris, tell us all about what you're going to tell us about. Yeah, I bought the 2023 Volkswagen Golf R 20th anniversary model. This was back in I think mid June when I bought the car. I've been searching for a while between it and a uh, actually three cars: the Honda Civic Type R, the Toyota GR Corolla, which was my first choice, and the Volkswagen Golf R. Uh, the Toyota Corolla has a smaller back seat and a much smaller cargo area. The Honda does not have a hatch at all. It's actually even though it's classed as a hatchback, it's shaped more like a sedan. Uh, so for my dog and myself and everybody's sanity, the Golf actually ended up being the best choice and ended up being available. So uh, it's around $46,000. You'll see these marked up anywhere from $5,000 to $15,000. I was persistent, and anyone I will tell you who is listening, if you are persistent, you can find them for MSRP. I was actually able to wait out a local dealer who had placed a $5,000 markup on it. Um, I was first on their list. They checked with me, and then everybody else on the list denied them too, and then they came back to me and gave it to me for MSRP. So um, I'll say that that's you know kind of where you need to be with one of these cars is just patient. So it's got a, two, a turbocharged 2.0 four-cylinder engine, 315 horsepower, 295 pound-feet of torque. You can get it with six-speed manual. However, the rarity of these cars meant that I didn't really have a lot of choice, and I took the seven-speed DSG, which is excellent dual-clutch transmission and shifts and lightning speed. Uh, and you also get more torque with the with the automatic over the manual gearbox. Jack, have you driven the new Golf variants at all? I want to get your feeling. Yeah, I have. I, 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 uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when and where I have, but I, I believe I have. And I think the, uh, the uh, dual-clutch uh, automatics are, are actually pretty cool. You get quicker shifts, that's certain, and, and absolutely certain shifts. So got that. You're leading edge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is definitely uh, a lot of fun to drive. I mean, more fun than a regular automatic, but not as engaging as a manual. But as I said, so 315 horsepower, 295 pound-feet of torque. Um, I've clocked around a four-second zero to 60 time with this car. I think others have tested it quicker than that. But four seconds is pretty darn quick for a four-cylinder car. And of course, you have all-wheel drive, and I'm running right now summer tires because the temperature is still quite warm here. But uh, I think that's pretty impressive. And, you know, the all-wheel drive was a, a kind of a must for me. So between the GR Corolla and this one, you know, that, that was, you know, my preference was for all-wheel drive. Uh, Volkswagen doesn't do a ton of uh, torque vectoring or, or customization with the all-wheel drive like you get with the GR Corolla. You can shift between the front wheels, wheels and the rear wheels in the Toyota. But this car gives you just a few options. You have drive modes between Sport, Sport Plus, and then the special sort of Autobahn mode. Uh, and the, the the adaptive suspension changes, and it does torque vectoring, but you don't get to control how it does that. Uh, there's also a drift mode jacket. You'll probably get a kick out of this. Uh, a drift mode in a four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive German car. Uh, it really does not want to drift. It will very it'll drive very hard, but it, it does not want to overdrive that outside rear wheel to get it will not break it just doesn't want to break traction but do you want to drift because i i never have felt the need to drift <laughs> i don't but you know it's there and i wanted to try it so sure. uh you know once once i found myself without kids and a dog in the car i took it out and didn't get didn't have much luck with it but uh, as i mentioned very quick the car handles really well jack the adaptive suspension you know i had the gti i owned a gti of the same generation 
It had standard suspension, a little bit rough, but the adaptive suspension in the Golf R is much smoother at times, and it can also tighten up uh, when you go into sport mode. Uh, inside, it's got Napa leather seats. The, the R has heated and ventilated front seats. My car has heated rear outboard seats as well. The 20th anniversary model charges you a few hundred dollars more to ditch a sunroof, which actually made me a little upset about that. But uh, you got a head-up display, a 10.25-inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Those are both wireless, and they work well. You have a 10, I'm sorry, a 10.25-inch digital gauge cluster, cluster a 10-inch touchscreen. Um, and the gauge cluster is fantastic, Jack. You've probably driven other Volkswagens that have the uh, digital cockpit where you can display the maps or navigation and music, and everything's configurable. Uh, and it's really just a fantastic display. But... Uh, you know, a lot of reviewers have complained about the all-touch interface in this car, and I will tell you that over time you get used to that. However, the screen does not always work as intended. My backup camera blinks in and out sometimes. It's very slow to respond. So I think that's maybe the weakest point of the car that is otherwise, you know, I think well worth the money. Um, it's more luxurious than a lot of the cars I would think so that I would think in, in the same class in terms of hot hatches, and it's got plenty of cargo space. You know, it out, outperforms a Porsche Macan on cargo space, so it works well for me. Um, I bought the car, so I'm not going to recommend anybody buying it. But uh, would I buy it again? I think I would. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad you feel good about it. And uh, you waited out the dealer. I think that's good strategy. Good for you. So uh, awesome stuff. Sound like you scored well. I was driving a heavy-duty pickup. Uh, and there was a time when heavy-duty pickups were commercial vehicles. That's all they were for. And then we got big travel trailers and boats and, you know, people are buying big, heavy stuff and, and need vehicles to tow them around. And so suddenly uh, vehicles like the Ram 2500 became consumer vehicles as well as commercial vehicles and um, in the personal use market. Uh, and this vehicle has the ability to haul just like the best from Ford, Chevrolet and GMC. And then it has two very capable all-terrain all trims. I'm trying to figure out basic uses for all-terrain, big, heavy-duty trucks, but the Rebel and Power Wagon, the Power Wagon in particular, super cool vehicle uh, for the right person. Um, you get the choice of gasoline or diesel power, but there is a big dichotomy there. Uh, the gasoline engine, 6.4 liter naturally aspirated V8, develops 410 horsepower, a lot of horsepower, 429 pound-feet of torque. That sounds like a ton of torque. That is until you compare it with the optional Cummins six-cylinder turbo diesel. Uh, it doesn't produce a, a huge horsepower number, but 850 pound-feet of torque. So as a tow vehicle, uh, especially if you're towing all the time, that's maybe the one to go for. But the premium for the Cummins diesel is <laughs> immense. It's like 10, and added $10,000 or something like that. So. Uh, choose wisely. I think for most people, they would probably be better off with the gasoline-powered vehicle. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, I think the diesel is well worth it in those trucks because they're, you know, that's what they're made to do. And if you're going to spend the money on the truck, you might as well spend the money on the diesel. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's another point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the right <laughs> point of view. Uh, and uh, they're not cheap. That's for certain. Uh, it's available in eight different trims, uh, trim levels. Tradesman running all the way up to Limited. There is a Lone Star, which is Texas only and identical to the Bighorn, which sounds like Texas only too, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, it, it kind of sounds like a Texas uh, vehicle, but uh, pretty cool. Uh, Laramie might be the trim that we suggest kind of in the middle there. The Laramie uh, retails for about, or suggested retail is $65,000, so it is not a cheapie. 
It's available as a crew cab with a shorter long bag, uh, bed or a mega cab, which is a bigger crew cab, essentially. It's, uh, you know, six passenger, five passenger, but, but bigger. Um, Laramie has a lot of good stuff. 18-inch aluminum wheels, uh, power adjustable leather seats, uh, park assist, a damp tailgate, um, power sliding rear window. You connect with an 8.4-inch touchscreen. It can go up bigger if you opt for that, and you probably would want to. The least expensive, uh, less expensive of the two off-roaders is the Rebel at about $70,000 list, and then the Power Wagon. Uh, and I'd opt for the Power Wagon, I think, because the, the premium is not all that much more. It's $71,000, $72,000, and you get more gear. And you get the name Power Wagon, which has got quite a history to it, too. So a lot to like about this. Um, the Cummins diesel produces 370 horsepower, as I said, 850 pound-feet of torque. I, I drove the gasoline-powered vehicle, which is more than sufficient, I think, for, for most people. Uh, and one of the great things about these uh, trucks from Ram is they're very consumer-friendly. I mean, they have, especially in the mid to up-level trims, um, very consumer-oriented, nice interiors, luxurious interiors. Interiors are commensurate with the price of $70,000, right? Uh, kind of makes sense. So, uh, And the ride quality is particularly good. You can get either an air suspension, the base suspension is coil springs in the rear, which uh, is better than leaf springs in terms of ride quality. So uh, overall, your take on the Ram 2500, Chris? Yeah, I drove one over the winter. It's a big truck. You know, we talk about Ford trucks. They kind of feel like they shrink around you a little bit. I think the Ram, at least the heavy-duty Rams do not. Uh, they feel big, as, as big as they are. But inside, as you mentioned, there's, you know, nice leathers in these things. You get, you know, nice infotainment screen, all the tech you could ever want. Uh, so they've done a good job with it. And they have a good ride quality, too. I think they do a little bit better on the ride than, than Ford and, and GM do. So uh, I liked it. Yeah, plenty of towing. You could tow up to 19,000 pounds with the Cummins diesel. Uh, 17,000 pounds or so with the uh, gasoline engine. That's probably sufficient for a lot of people. So um, when it comes to heavy-duty pickups, uh, if you want to use it for dual use, uh, I'd say this is uh, one to take a look at. Agreed. And when we come back, we will be talking about uh, keeping things uh, clean inside your car with Daryl uh, Benton. He's the vice president of Purolator. So stay with us for that. We have that interview with Daryl Benton coming right up. So... Stay with us right here on America on the Road. I got this letter from a reader the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. I'm on vacation on the beach in Key Biscayne and just finished reading Dance in the Dark. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great plot and twists I never saw coming. You're really good at creating visual images. Congrats. You made my vacation all that more enjoyable. This is just the kind of feedback an author loves to hear. I'm Jack Nerad, host of America on the Road and the author of Dance in the Dark, a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many have told me that Dance in the Dark has all the realism of fatal photographs, my true crime account of the famous bathing suit model murder case. That's great to hear because Dance in the Dark is filled with suspense, plot twists, and surprises, but at the same time, it's a believable story in the tradition of writers like James M. Cain, Jim Thompson, and Elroy Leonard. Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and Kindle ebook form from Amazon.com, and it's available direct from the publisher EMLancy.com as well. If you have a chance, please look for it. If it makes your vacation better, we'll both be happy. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red at Amazon.com or EMLancy.com. Thanks for giving it a look. 
Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. It's Jackie Radwick here, and we have a wonderful guest for you. Daryl Benton is a vice president of Purolator. Purolator is a company that's over 100 years old, uh, well-known for its automotive aftermarket products. Uh, and we have some pretty interesting stuff to talk about. Daryl, number one, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Hey, Jack. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, great to talk to uh, your audience here. Why don't you bring us up to speed on Purolator? I mean, certainly a lot of people have heard that brand name, but uh, they probably don't know the exact history. Give us a little bit of that. Yeah. So uh, actually, you know, it's uh, one, of, one of the great things, and it's a really good opportunity to talk to you. Uh, this is uh, 2023 is the 100th anniversary of the Purolator um, brand and, and, and business. Uh, so uh, Purolator has uh, done a lot actually to um, invent and create uh, oil filtration and the um, spin-on oil filter. Uh, and uh, over the past hundred years, we've been driving and delivering uh, innovation. Uh, and it's exciting uh, place to be that we intend uh, to deliver that innovation for a hundred years more and a hundred years after that, uh, and stay, stay relevant for our customers and consumers. I'll tell you the spin on oil filter is something that has resonated for, I, I guess the better part of, well, it's close to a hundred years now. I have a 1926 Nash that didn't have one, uh, mm. because I think it was still new technology in those days. And a lot of those vehicles, uh, in nine, in the mid twenties did not have an oil filter at all, but, uh, it's critical, isn't it? To have oil filtration. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, one of those funny things, the name Purolator uh, comes from this concept of you have pure oil now and pure oil later or pure later. No kidding. You know, I've heard the yeah. name for, you know, a, a lot of years, probably well more than 50 years. And I never knew where that name came from. So that's that's pretty cool, Daryl. That's it. And so, uh, you know, when, you know, cars were first uh, invented back there in the early uh, 1900s, late 1800s, uh, and uh, they had to, first, they had to figure out that they needed lubricants to keep the machines moving. Um, and then uh, after they figure out that the lubricants actually can, uh, you know, they get dirty uh, from the bits and pieces rubbing together uh, and also from all of the other elements out in the environment, uh, that having a, a filter to keep that um, oil pure longer uh, is something that's absolutely critical. And, and so uh, it, it is where this business came from uh, uh, and, and something that's certainly really important for, for us for now. Yeah, and it's important today, right? And tell us uh, the difference between, say, a Purolator oil filter and an off-brand filter that you might pick up off the shelf. Yeah, so so there 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 are a few things that that I want to mention. You know, we we have uh, different grades of, of oil filters, but uh, Purolator is a part of the largest oil or um, largest filtration company um, in the world, uh, uh, Mon and Hummel, uh, and and so a big part of uh, what we do is we take filtration very seriously. We are only a filter company. And so that means uh, that we develop and build and buy the best um, media that actually the oils and other things flow through uh, so that we do the best job of collecting all of the contaminants that might be in your oil or other filtration um, need, needs that are out there. Uh, we have um, engineers that are constantly pushing the needle in terms of technology and capabilities. Uh, of, of our, our filters so that you get the best performance um, in your vehicle. And it works very well and together with um, the other products, the oils and, and, and things like that, so that, so that you have uh, the, the, the best per performance from an oil filtration and filtration perspective. 
Technology keeps moving along, doesn't it? We recently interviewed somebody about oil, and uh, certainly oil is vastly different than it was conventional oils uh, from 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, and that's probably affected what you're, you're doing at Purolator, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it absolutely does. So, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, prior to working with Purolator, uh, I was with Castrol. Um, uh, and so I spent uh, about seven years working in the, the oil business and helping to do some of the sales and marketing for products and the, all of the new technology that was being developed uh, in, in the oil business. So the, the filter business has to work right along with that. Uh, you know, we should keep in mind that uh, from a, for a business like Purelayer, um, and uh, it's an automotive filter manufacturer, uh, it's not just oil that we filter. I know that we may spend time talking about oil filters and spin on oil filters and starting uh, from that pure oil uh, uh, background 100 years ago. Uh, but, but ultimately, that technology that, that we are developing is for all of the filtration needs um, of, of the vehicle uh, and, and continuing to develop the technology that's going to help the air, the, the air inside of your vehicle stay uh, cleaner and have you, make you have a better breathing experience while you're driving. The air that feeds the vehicle, the transmission um, uh, that supports electric vehicles or whatever other propulsion systems that are going to be out there in the future, uh, and advancing along with the oil technology uh, as it changes. Those are the, many of the critical things that we're working on up here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, the air in your cabin, right? I mean, that's an important thing, and I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, most current vehicles, practically all current vehicles, have a replaceable cabin air filter, right? Not only do they have an air filter, but it, it's replaceable and probably should be replaced. And uh, Purolator has great products there. I mean, talk about that a little bit, would you? Yeah, yeah. No, I see you've got uh, Purolator Boss cabin air filter sitting there uh, next to you. That's great. Thanks for that, Jack. Um, uh, and uh, when we think about the air inside the vehicle, um, uh, and, and we, we, we know all of the reasons that you want to filter the air that's outside coming uh, into your vehicle, and also continue to filter the air that, 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 that's inside uh, your vehicle. So Purelator um, uh, has uh, like the top technology, um, uh, active carbon filtration, micro screening, and things like that that help to really uh, keep to make sure that the, that the air and the air quality in, inside your vehicle is at is at the, the the top space. And so, Pure Later Boss is actually one that has all of our great technology, uh, reduces allergens, um, uh, it filters virus aerosols, it does all of those things, and it has we have a partnership with uh, Procter and Gamble um, and Febreze. And it also delivers Febreze freshness so that your car stays smelling fresh uh, uh, as well as having clean air um, uh, inside the vehicle. Well, and I think that's a great partnership, Daryl. I think, and you've got to be proud of that partnership. I mean, Procter & Gamble doesn't just team up with anybody, right? And uh, certainly uh, Purolator had to prove it's a bona fides to to get that to happen. And Febreze has become kind of uh, like the gold standard in terms of, of freshness, I think. So... Uh, that's got to reflect very well on on what that air filter can do, that cabin air filter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it does a really, really great job of of keeping that air in your vehicle clean. And uh, you know, a few other things I would want to say about Boss cabin air filters and cabin air filters uh, in, in in general. So the majority of them actually take less than fifteen minutes um, uh, for you to to change. And so I I often ask people uh, when you when it's time to change your home furnace filter. Uh, who who does that, Jack? Who does it for you? I do it. 
I do it. And I, I have some in the basement. I know the size now. And, uh, you know, I'm the guy that, that does that. And I do it once a year. I do it. I do it for my uh, home as well. Uh, um, and a lot of people uh, just don't realize how easy it is to do the same kind of activity for their vehicle. Um, and the cabin air filter is a very, very easy DIY thing for most people um, to do. And so we think that there's a great uh, op- opportunity uh, with that. And so, you know, part of what we offer with Pure Leather Boss is um, access to all of these online how-to videos to show you just how easy it is. Yeah, I mean, one key thing, of course, is one size doesn't fit all with a, a cabin air filter. So you have to get the vehicle that, or the uh, air filter that's appropriate for your vehicle. But that's pretty easy to do, isn't it? That, yeah, a- absolutely. So that's where another thing that the uh, QR codes and our lookup on purelighternow.com will uh, help you to figure out what cabin air filter or all filters that you need uh, for, for your vehicle and also show you how to make the how, how to do the change and, and to install it install it yourself or you can of course take it somewhere and have it have it installed talk about other filtration and you did allude to some of that what are some of the more important filters that uh, a, a do-it-yourself or, or uh, just somebody who's maintaining their car well should keep it, their eye on so so the the primary filter you know the one that gets that's going to be changed most often is the oil uh, filter, of course, uh, um, and certainly in the internal combustion engine vehicles, and you know, changing your oil based on your OEM's um, uh, recommendation it, it is critical. And, and having uh, great cabin air filtration to match with the oil technology that is, or I'm sorry, oil filtration to match with the uh, oil technology that's changing is something that's absolutely would, would, is helpful. Uh, air filter um, uh, that you know helps to make sure that it is taking all of the contaminants out of the uh, harmful things out of, out, of, out of the air before they go into your engine and create that um, internal combustion that helps to uh, move your vehicle along is an, another part that this critical cabin air filters we've already talked about. Uh, fuel filters, a lot of these things are kind of done more for the life of the vehicle. You may need to change them if something um, happens, but fuel filters and uh, and and uh, transmission uh, uh, filters are the key filters that that we would sell to help to support uh, a, a vehicle and help to maintain it and have a long life. Yeah, well, I'm thinking of maybe getting a cabin air filter here for the studio and getting some Febreze freshness here in the studio as well. So oh, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daryl Benton, thanks so much for being with us, uh, Vice President of Purolator. I appreciate the the great tips you've given us. Thank you. Thanks for uh, giving me uh, time to share this with your audience. And so look forward to us speaking to you again soon. I hope so. And uh, stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie right back. We're so glad you're with us on America on the Road. We do appreciate you listening. We know there's a lot of things you could listen to. And if you like America on the Road, please pass it on to somebody who might also like the show. We appreciate that. Tell them where you listen to it uh, on the radio or what time and all that good stuff, time and station. And if you uh, listen on a podcast, pass a podcast uh, episode along to them and maybe you'll hook them on America on the Road. We would appreciate that. Uh, we like to answer your questions and we have questions right now that I, I think are uh, could be useful in learning the answers to. So let's charge ahead with questions. This is from Randall in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada by the Sioux Locks there, where Lake, uh, Lake Huron and Lake Superior meet, I believe, uh, which is a cool place. Um, this is what he says. I enjoy your reviews of the new 2024 Ford Mustang, but after hearing them, I couldn't help wondering if 
They are pretty much like the 2023 Mustangs. What do you think? Are they a different generation? Should I buy a 2024 or a 2023? That's a tough one, Jack. I think, you know, the 2024s are, while they are a new generation, I think they're more of an evolution than a revolution for the Mustang. And, you know, you spoke to this uh, either last week or the week before when you reviewed this car. Uh, Ford gave them two new engines, right? The, the two liter, 2.3 liter EcoBoost and the 5 liter uh, Coyote V8. They're updated for 2024. You get more tech, you get a new interior and revised styling. But unless you're a professional driver, Jack, and you might correct me on this, I don't think that the everyday sort of weekend enthusiast is going to know or tell a whole lot of difference between the old 5.0 V8 and the new 5.0 V8. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, as you say, this is an evolution. Uh, one of the ways you can tell is uh, I think the wheelbase is identical. They're very close to the same uh, length. They do have new good-looking body. I mean, I think that that's one of, one of the reasons to step up. Uh, the interior you mentioned is also heavily revamped, I think uh, essentially 100% new, and very digital. So that's another reason to step up. In terms of performance, though, a little more horsepower, but uh, if you're getting the, the uh, I, I think a lot of people on, on the street can't tell the difference between 450 horsepower and 480 horsepower, right? Uh, they're probably not going to use all of that anyway. Or a 310 horsepower from the EcoBoost to 315. I think if you could drive a, a great deal on the 2023, you're, you're okay with its looks and all of that stuff, that wouldn't be a bad choice. But at the same time, there's, I think, a lot of good reasons to consider the new one and, and step up to the new one. Looks better and has a great interior. Those are the two big ones, I think. I'm all for the newest and latest and greatest anyway, so I'd probably try to get the new one if you could afford it. So, yeah, I'd go with that. I think the good news, too, is they're not a lot more expensive than the than the 2023s. And I'm not sure there's a ton of 2023s on the ground, at least in a color or with a configuration you'd probably like. So um, maybe a better opportunity is to order a 2024 and get exactly what you want with that new interior and the, the, those great looks. So let's take this question from Brett in Salem, Oregon. He says this, I hear you guys talk about plug-in hybrids a lot, but I never hear any of my friends talk about them at all. If they're going to buy a car, they either want a regular gas car or an electric vehicle. Why don't people seem to care about plug-ins? I thought about this a lot, actually. And I think my answer would be, I think plug-in hybrids got caught in the middle between hybrids and electric vehicles. You know, hybrids were the big thing for many, many years. Uh, then plug-in hybrids came along, but right after that, electric vehicles started, you know, Tesla started becoming a thing and and people started paying more attention to electric. So I think they they kind of got caught in the middle between those two. Uh, we've talked about them many times on the show. You know, you have an all-electric range, and then when that is exhausted, you have the backup of a gas engine that functions sort of like a normal hybrid after that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for a lot of people. I think it's a be the best choice for a vehicle uh, if you can find one that you like and can afford. But, you know, other than the sort of timing and the messaging behind it, I don't know that there's a, a solid reason that they aren't being, that they aren't as, as welcomed or as known in the public forum. What do you think? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Uh, and I, like you, have done a lot of thinking about it because I think we're both pretty much fans of plug-in hybrids. We, we like the opportunity to, to drive all electric day-to-day uh, -day and then uh, use the gasoline engine for longer trips to address something we talked about earlier in the show, and that's the range problems with uh, pure electric vehicles and, and the charging times that they take and, you know, kind of the flaming hoops you have to jump through sometimes to make all that happen if you're taking a long car trip, which I happen to like, and this is America on the road. We, we kind of are all about getting on the road, so uh, we do like that. I think uh, 
One of the reasons is regulation. I don't think regulators, uh, certainly the California Air Resources Board, doesn't seem to favor plug-in hybrids. They, uh, I think, truth be told, if you looked into their secret souls, they'd love to get rid of every combustion engine in the world, uh, just make it go away and have everything be all electric. And maybe that's short-sighted or maybe it's not. Maybe that's the wave of the future. Maybe that doesn't look into the fact that that electricity is, is being generated by combustion somewhere uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of times. So that's part of the issue. I think regulations have not favored plug-in hybrids very much. I think that's true in, in Europe as well. I mean, there's some places where uh, it would make a, a ton of sense, I think, in Europe as well, to have uh, a plug-in hybrid vehicle. And uh, at the same time, uh, some entities over there don't want combustion uh, in their big cities. So. And then I think it's hard to explain to people what a plug-in hybrid really is, right? I mean, hybrids are hard enough, and then you have the plug-in thing. What do you think about that? Yeah, some automakers don't even call their plug-in hybrids plug-in hybrids. I think if you look at the Pacifica, it's just called a Pacifica hybrid, so the Chrysler Pacifica minivan. So I think, you know, there's some education to be done there. Um, we've talked about it. I just mentioned it on the show a few minutes ago, this multi-pronged approach towards uh, zero emissions. Obviously, plug-in hybrids are not zero emissions completely, but they're a great step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I hope we see more of them. I guess I'll just say that. Well, and I'm not certain we are because we also... Uh... There's a, a price premium to a plug-in hybrid, even above a, a hybrid, and uh, they're not, in, in, in some ways, all that much less expensive than a, a full electric sometimes. I guess they are significantly. But they're, as you say, they're kind of in between. They're, they're neither fish nor fowl, right? You can't uh, pat yourself on the back and say, I'm zero emissions, because you're not. Uh, at the same time, you're, you're not embracing the internal combustion engine in a, uh, a plug-in hybrid. So... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what uh, what the future will hold with that? Well, let's take one more question quickly. Uh, Jake in Torrance, California says this. School is about to uh, be back in session. I'm about to drive carpool for the first time in my life. I think at least one of you does that or has done that. Any tips for me? Yeah, I have done that, Jack. I'll very quickly say, if you're going to be carpooling with kids you've never met before, take a few minutes to meet them with their parents ahead of time before they get in your car and start interacting with you and your children. It'll make the ride a lot more comfortable for everybody. Uh, if they're still in car seats, which many of many children are, booster seats, whatever they are, make sure that you have all those ahead of time if you're dropping a kid off or picking them up. Uh, I've been in situations where I'm, you know, short a car seat here or there and have to figure it out. So that's a big stressful thing. And then finally, just make sure your vehicle is, you know, presentable and ready to have somebody have a stranger ride in it you know don't have your garbage and mcdonald's trash and your kids cheerios everywhere i mean you're a seven-year-old's not really going to care if your car is dirty or not but it's, it's just a nice thing for their parents to see that you know you care about your car and care about their kid and i'm sure there are a million other things there but those are sort of the big three for me uh, those are great tips i i would just add to that and it's probably uh, covered it in a way learn their names you know learn all their names be able to call them by name uh i used to coach uh, girls softball a lot uh, and t-ball for that matter. And I tried to learn the name of every kid on the team the first practice, right? So I was talking to a kid and referring to them by name. And I think that makes sense in a, a carpool situation too. Absolutely. Well, tell us all about yourtestdriver.com, Chris. Yeah, we're still running the giveaway for the month of August. I almost said July. We're now in a new month, uh, a month of, of August <laughs> for the uh, Thinkware dash cam. It's an ultra high definition 4K dash cam. We're going to give it away at the end of the month. Uh, it's very easy to follow along. Follow our Instagram page. Check out the website. We have an article there that will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, we continue to have great content from outside contributors. Kristen Shaw, other people are submitting reviews. So it's an exciting 
time at YourTestDriver, and we're growing quickly. So I hope to see everybody there. Yeah, check it out, YourTestDriver.com. Chris is running that site, and it's terrific, terrific information, so look for it. Please check out my newest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by the true crime books that I've written, including Fatal Photographs. Uh, I, I like to follow crime, and when I'm writing crime fiction, I like it to read as if it's true, it's plausible, uh, and I think that's one of the things that Dance in the Dark does, so look for that. It's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback form. If you like America on the Road, please pass the show along to someone else who would like it, or maybe many someone else's who would like it. Uh, we'd love that. Tell them what sta radio station you listen to it on, and uh, pass along a podcast. It's easy to get an America on the Road podcast, isn't it, Chris? It is. You should check us out on the sportsmap.com radio website. I'm sorry, sportsmapradio.com website. Uh, there you can find us on the Saturday morning schedule. You can find a formatted radio version of the show, but more importantly, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and, and all the others. Yeah, and if you like us, subscribe to us. Give us a, a nice five-star review if you would, and we'd appreciate that, and uh, it would be terrific. Uh, our thanks to the Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road, and most of all, thanks to you for listening. There's a lot of things you could be listening to. We're happy you're listening to us, and we do appreciate it, and we hope you join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.